Today on Sharp Scratch, picture this. You're on the ward round. Doctor shouts at med student. What happens next? You'll learn what to do if you're the one being shouted at, what to do if you see it happen, or what to do if you are the one being the asshole. You're listening to Sharp Scratch, episode 5, Working with Arsehole Doctors. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where we get med students, new doctors and experts all together in the same room to talk about all the topics that we need to know but the medical school won't teach us. I'm Lara Nunes-Mulder and I'm editorial scholar at the BMJ and medical student at the University of Cambridge. And I'm joined by the fab people that you know and love, Raihan and Chidera. Would you introduce yourselves? So my name is Ryan Hussein. I'm a fourth year medical student and in my spare time I now do this podcast with Laura. <laughs> and Chidera. Hi, my name's Chidera Ota. I'm a first year foundation doctor who would hope to be a surgeon in the future and in my spare time I also do this, a little bit of YouTube and hopefully sleep. Oh, the dream. And we also have with us today a wonderful guest expert, Simon. Would you introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Simon Fleming. I'm an orthopaedic registrar. I'm currently out of program in my training doing my PhD in med ed and in my spare time I try to change the world. Wow. What about my spare time? I don't Do you have any spare time? I have yeah, some Work spare time. <laughs> Ooh. Spare time. <laughs> so we're here today to talk about working with assholes. So in every single sphere of life, you're going to come across people who are assholes, right? Just no matter where you go. So in, in healthcare, you know, doctors can be assholes, patients can be assholes, med students can be assholes, <laughs> all of our other <laughs> colleagues can be assholes, right? Yes. So yeah. today, <laughs> so today we're talking specifically about doctors, and next time we'll talk about patients. But today, doctors are the focus. So we've all met doctors and med students and placements who we just can't stand, or. Wow, you're nodding so hard, man. <laughs> I can just picture them all in my head. <laughs> or, or those people who make us feel like this small, you know, just, just really yeah. intimidating. But for the sake of our patients, we will just have to work in teams with whoever we come across and we'll have to do it well. So how do we work with our soul doctors? And I guess another aspect of this we might touch on is how do we recognise when we ourselves yeah. are at risk of being the assholes in certain situations? So... Have you folks encountered people who are really hard to work with? Yeah, I've probably got a few. For example, I had a consultant get really angry with me because he thought I'd delayed a discharge of a patient. Just throw me under the bus, I guess, and yell at me in front of the entire ward. That was quite awkward. And it's one of those situations where, I mean, it's one thing to be blamed for something that you haven't done. It's really annoying. But to have that done in front of nurses, in front of other doctors, but particularly in front of patients, that was really hard to deal with mm -hmm. because I felt like, how do I then return to this ward and speak to people and try to instill some sort of confidence in them when they've literally just seen me be berated? And there's so much to unpack there as well. Like that, even that small story, there's tons to unpack there. Yeah. Right. So number one, blame culture. We li we know that blame culture is bad. Like we just, yeah. we know it's a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. People don't work as well. They don't perform as well. They get mental health issues and all the rest, right? Just culture is good. Like it's the world's easiest public health campaign. Ever. Like <laughs> don't be a dick, right? <laughs> um, but equally, you can unpack every aspect of what happened there. So the boss, I'm sure, would go like, I was advocating for patients. I need beds. The more beds I have, the more I can bring patients in. But on some level, 
they didn't do it the way perhaps it could have been done, which is take you to one side, have a word, maybe bring the team in, do a debrief. Yeah, I felt mm. completely humiliated. Right, like, honestly, it, I going back. It makes on you feel world, worthless. Yeah. Like it makes you feel like a, and it's, and it's that inf- infantilization as yeah. well. It's a bit like being, you know, told off by your by your mum mm. in public. Mm. You're like, yeah. everyone can see I'm being shouted at in the middle of the yeah. thing. I had that feeling again of, oh god, everyone's looking at me. Everyone thinks I'm an idiot. Everyone's just seen me cry. <laughs> Everyone's just seen me get told off. And I just, yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just quite a lot. I mean, like, the thing is, I'm, I get the sense that when you tell that story like that, it's not even a unique standalone story. I will say that I've been super lucky that for the most part, I've loved almost every single team that I've been a part of. Well, I'm is glad it, to hear yeah. that. that it, it wasn't, it's not like a common thing mm. that's been happening. But what's interesting, of yeah. course, is I think most medical students or doctors if they heard that story would would nearly normalize it mm. and be like you know what I mean, that's what you, i just did isn't it yeah. literally yeah. That, like, like, oh, that, like there's nothing the special about that, that right yeah. you you messed up someone else messed up everyone got shouted at in the hallway moving on yeah it, and and that's the thing is is when you ask about you know do we have stories i'm either lucky or unlucky depending on how that works in that i get a lot of these stories sent to me so people mm. will message me on twitter and instagram and via email and through my website and all the rest and will be like this has happened to me, what should I do? And you have a real spectrum, a real bell curve of these stories. So on one end, you've got the awful stories, the stories where you're like, this sounds made up because it's so batshit crazy. Yeah. Um, I've got one of those that I tell that people are like, well, that just sounds made up. And I'm like, I I swear it's not. Tell it. I, I, will, I will, but then you've got the other bell curvy ones, and your story's kind of middle of the bell curve. Your story's a normal day at work for ninety nine point nine percent of people at work, which is something happened. There was a bit Swiss Swiss cheese model of mistakes. You know, lots of things went wrong, so that something didn't go according to plan. Yeah, and instead of doing it the way we might aspire to, with a after action report or a debrief or even you know what maybe you did just mess up maybe you were lazy and you weren't paying attention maybe maybe you did make a mistake but there's still a better way of telling you that that's the point like i make mistakes every day (laughs) and (laughs) if someone spent all their time shouting at me in corridors we'd never get any work done Mm -hmm. like at some point there's just a better way of handling it the the example of an awful story and i i i tell this kind of with permission and it's anonymized was a colleague of mine um was and I say a colleague of mine they're a surgeon was in um, a journal that um, also publishes uh, pictures oh yeah of yeah. of the the authors and um, and they uh, they were stopped in a corridor by by a very senior member of of a very senior team and um, and they said oh, could I could I have a word with you and they said oh, yes yes prof and um, I said I, I just I just kind of I have something I need to tell you. Well, what, what's that, Prof? And, and there'd always been some tension between them anyway, and this Prof was known to be one of those Profs. And he goes, you know, I, I miss the good old days where we didn't have to hire ugly women. And what? and she was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? And he was like, and you know, the, the only thing worse than having to see your face day in, day out at work is to have to what? see it on my coffee table at work. And he went on for for quite some time until eventually actually another member of the team was who kind of was watching like you guys are like jaws open like is yeah. this happening are, th- are these are, are, are we saying these words now <laughs> kind of uh, eventually that other member of the team was like y- you're done here prof and the prof was like no i'm not like kind of i um, still had more to tell her about how ugly she was or what a terrible person she was 
and and he was literally kind of escorted away by another member of the surgical team who was wow. like what what even is this and i've got stories of 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 all sorts of things and 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 those are the, but that's an extreme story right that's a really that's, extreme story because yeah. that's insane yeah. <laughs> but but then you've got you've got the little increments of the little of the little things so i i'm uh, i'm an orthopedic surgeon i want to be a hand surgeon hand surgery is one of those things that's uh, paired up with plastic surgery so mm. um it's quite delicate and by some is perceived to be a more effeminate specialty because oh. it's all very delicate and all the rest right so um lots of uh aspiring female surgeons get told well if you're going to be an orthopod you know you'll need to do hands or pediatrics which by the way is complete bollocks like yeah. absolute <laughs> yeah. tosh sure. but anyway um and about a year 18 months ago like an x-ray of a smashed up hand was put up and our, everyone was like oh we can't do anything about that and i was like i could I think I could fix that, which is a very ortho thing to say. <laughs> but I was called a faggoty hand surgeon in a trauma meeting. Oh my god! And I was like, "What?" I was like, "You, but what?" <laughs> like, and again, you kind of can't the, say the that. thing, right? It's not, but it's not just like you can't say that in that it's you know illegal and stuff. But also, there's that that shock of like, you said that out loud, and people are laughing, and no one else is no, and and it's it, and there's so many different examples on that bell curve that suddenly you being bollocked for delaying a discharge seems super normal oh yeah right yeah and that's the problem because it's also still not there's also so many things there that could have been done better or differently yeah. or whatever because i i wonder how your day would have been different if after that bollocking five minutes ten minutes half an hour an hour later if either the the reg or the boss had come to you and gone so sorry yeah i could have handled that i am such a knob can i buy you a coffee like it would have even though you had gone through that whole experience which was horrible i i wonder whether do you know what i mean because yeah. that's the point i've undeniably bollocked people in corridors like i know i have and i've made stupid comments and stupid jokes and all the rest like and i do it now and i try not to but people are people There are loads of things that have come up there that I'm really looking forward to going back and yeah. delving into. Like you mentioned how uh, in one of your stories, Simon, how the person, someone was watching with mouth wide open and escorted the yeah. uh, aggressor away. Let's, you know, later let's on, let's pick out what we yeah. can do if we see something going on. Also that, you know, what do we do with ourselves? How do we react when we recognise that we ourselves have done something like mm. cross the line and so on? But before we go into those kind of things, Raihan, you mentioned that you had... Yeah, you might share. <clears throat> so my story isn't as well. It's not as serious, but it's a little bit more lighthearted and funny, to be honest. But bring it. <laughs> we have so we have this. Uh, he's your typical consultant. He has a sort of you know power trip, and he just wants. What to do you mean typical consultant? There's loads oh, there of consultants who are super really nice. That sentence Let's right not there. Stereotype people. Okay, so my yeah, yeah. my my perception of consultants is okay. <clears throat> that um, they like you know they they've got to that stage of of their training and, and their career and they sort of, I don't know, like they, they're willing to, they're, they're not bothered about medical students and they they will sort of take the piss out of you and, and do you know what I mean, in public and in front of like, do you know what I mean, like how you were describing that the, the way the consultant told you off. So this consultant came in and it was the first time we met him and he started like, 
making jokes about all the medical students and, and sort of digging in quite a bit. And no one was saying anything. And then he started like making jokes about me and then and then I started making jokes back. Sure. And and like if you want to give banter you have to take it. So Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So I was sure. just yeah. bantering him as well. Now we then had a patient, so we, we went to see this patient and um I was very tired and I was falling asleep and my friend was sort of interviewing this patient. And while they were interviewing I was sort of playing with this cup. And and then the doctor asks, <clears throat> sorry, asks me, Ryan, um, uh, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, sorry. Um, and then he goes, what's the diagnosis? And I was like, oh, I should have listened to what the patient <laughs> was describing. And the only thing that come, came to my head was when the patient said he had like a sharp pain um, around his abdomen and at the back, which radiated to the back. So I said, the first thing that came to my mind, I said, gallstones. And then the doctor goes, are you stupid? Like, no. <laughs> it can't be gallstones, blah, blah. And he was having a go at me. And then and then he asked the patient, so what was it? And then the patient goes, no, no, it was gallstones. You're right. It took the doctors <laughs> a, a long time to figure it out. And then I was just laughing and I was like, well, you should have just came to me. I would have diagnosed you. <laughs> and you should have seen the consultant's face. And then he goes, what's your student number? I'm going to report you to the medical school. No, he was joking though, right? <laughs> no, he actually did. What? Yeah. <laughs> what for so, that? For that, yeah. Man, that but, consultant could really have cut you some slack there. Yeah. But it's not as like serious as what you've just had no but i mean regardless it's 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 one of those situations where because of there is a power imbalance and we try to act like there isn't so you know consultants can make fun of you and you you just kind of have to take it and if and if you try to give anything back and it goes the wrong way then it's just there's times where you can help you know being tired you can have a coffee beforehand before seeing a patient because it's disrespectful to to nod off when there's a patient who's came in gave up their time but in a situation like that, so it was Ramadan, I was fasting, and oh, no, you can't yeah. have a coffee. You've slept, you've been up till four, stuff in your face, and really you can't do anything about it. So he reported me, and then the, the med school came and had a word, and they said, you know, we've had a report that you've been disrespectful to a member of staff, and um, and also you've fallen asleep. And then I said, but I was fasting, and then they were like, oh, we're very sorry, we didn't know, blah, blah. And then they said, oh, honestly, it's fine. So to change it slightly, so some we what we touched on a bit earlier is that sometimes you yourself can be the one making other people's lives unnecessarily hard. And Shadera, you mentioned this back in our first episode when we talked about the night shifts. Oh. And you said... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't mean to scare, I didn't mean to scare you there, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so you talked about like how you'd notice yourself being short-tempered with people yeah. being shorter, and other people were being shorter with you and you tried to sort of like empathise with them a bit, put yourself in their shoes. So I, I do have a recent example of this at this time for that. So um, we had multiple met calls, multiple patients that I was desperately hoping did not become met calls. And I was dealing with... So like a normal Friday. A normal Friday. What's a met call? So a met call is a medical emergency call. So often it means sort of peri-arrest. So a patient who is approaching a point where we may actually have to start doing CPR. They're very unwell for It's like a nearly crash call. Yeah, Yeah. nearly crash Uh. call. 
Um, so we'd had two of those. We ha- I was dealing with a, another patient who I was thinking, you know, I might have to put out a met call for this patient again because she just really wasn't well. Um, and I got a bleep. So I was like, let me just call back and see what's going on. Um, and a nurse called me and basically said that there's a patient who was quite unwell, had been stabilised previously, and that she'd accidentally given him a medication that, <laughs> to some extent, could undo all of the work that had been done beforehand. And... It really wasn't the right response, but I was—I just let out probably the biggest groan. I just kind of went and hit my head against the table <laughs> whilst on the phone. And I—I I was as I did it, I was annoyed with myself because I knew obviously I'm stressed and I'm, I'm under a lot of pressure. But also she must feel like shit. She's mm. done. She's made a medicine error, so she, I know she feels bad. And she's contacting me and she's apologising. And I'm trying to desperately be understanding, but also I'm already worried about six different people and everything's bouncing around my head and there's no one I can go to for backup at this particular time because everybody's going off um, and I just said fine I'll come and deal with it later and just very hurriedly you know, got off the phone and not in the most polite way and I wasn't very happy with myself and I did go down afterwards both to check on the patient but also just to check on the nurse and make sure she was all right but yeah that was definitely a situation where she probably got off the phone already not well got onto the phone not feeling great because of what's happened and my response to it probably didn't make her feel any better just to say the patient was absolutely fine and that there was no sort of complication from what happened but yeah I can that was a situation where I, I, I could have handled it in a far more understanding way and I let everything else that was going on like make my response not very positive and Knowing how she must have felt, it probably mm. wasn't very nice. And that's why I went down and apologised How afterwards. did that conversation go? Um, I just said, you know, I'm really, really sorry about how I reacted on the phone earlier. I was just super, super stressed. And she was like, you, you know, I've heard the med calls going off and I've seen oh. people running around. I get it. And she's like, it's such a stupid response, you know, mistake to make sorry. And I said, you know, don't beat yourself up about it. It's happened. It's done. The patient themselves is fine. We've got a plan in place in case anything does go wrong. That's just... And she put in like a datex and everything. So that's Mm. how you kind of report um, mistakes, errors, bad Mm. things that happen in hospital. Do you know why that story is really interesting? Yeah. So it is the exact same story that you gave us about your delayed discharge. Yeah. Right? Only you're now in the position of the the boss or the registrar and the the nurse is you, right? Mm. The nurse cocked up. Yeah. On some level, for some reason, there was a mistake made, mm. right? Just like, to be fair, you, you made a mistake there. A, a, yeah, exactly. This, but you handled it because actually you, you don't know the stress that your consultant was under or your registrar was under. Yeah. The difference is you did all the things we just spoke about. You, at a point in the future before things got really festery and toxic, went, yeah. look, I made a mistake, you made a mistake, let's talk about it, let's unpack it, let's debrief or whatever. And actually... I would consider that story a good outcome. So, Simon, one of the things that you were saying then is that ideally, you know, as doctors, as individuals, we should be able to identify when we're overstepping the line and so on. But just a bit earlier, you were saying how anyone can end up being a bully. Anyone can cross the line and so on. You know, it's it's part of being a human that we make mistakes and that we are sometimes cruel to others how exactly does that sort of marry up you know both of those things being yeah true? it's not easy so to all its sense and purposes you know the the gmc will talk to you about wanting you to be a reflective practitioner and we all do reflect like even we orthopedic surgeons reflect because actually all that means is kind of unpicking and unpacking your behaviors your ideas your thoughts how things have made you feel and other people feel and all the rest but i think part of it comes down to culture and kind of 
culture's that um, that force field you walk through when you walk into a place or an environment or a career or a space, right? And what we want is a culture whereby, a bit like if you're pissed and you take your car keys out, anyone can just go, uh, no. And you don't feel like someone's having a go at you. You're like, oh, yeah, right now I'm pissed. Yes, that sort of like shared knowledge, like like what's okay and what's not okay. Right, and we're not there yet because actually all the stories we've told today, everyone's sort of gone, oh, that's just how it is. All the stories have been like, that's what consultants are like, that's what work is like, that's what nurses are like, that's what doctors are like. And that's that's where the work lies because at the moment we're still we're still in that stage of like, you know, I have noticed that some people who are pissed have car crashes, not me. I'm safe behind the wheel. Like we're we're just at that early stage of having discussions about maybe we shouldn't be as drunk when we drive. Yeah. Like we're not yet at because it's it's terrifying. It's it's terrifying to go. You just can't. You just shouldn't. It's not okay. It's bad for everyone. The yeah. people on the street. The people in your car. And you and everyone else and it also of course means that when it does happen because people still drink drive because people are people it's the exception yeah and and we're not there yet i look forward to the day where where everyone and anyone can challenge anyone and anyone and it's not a big go i'm sure people have problems yeah. with me with what i say and how i say it both professionally personally all the rest but they shouldn't feel like coming coming to talk to me is a big fight or that they have to go to the gym like if someone's got a problem they should be able to go mate do you know that makes me feel like this and I should be adult and human enough to go oh I should probably go in like literally like go in and think about that because maybe you're right and and maybe I disagree with you and but we're not we're not there yet but I do have hope so like being a fourth year medical student I do have hope that we're trying to fix this and I feel like the NHS is working on this and hopefully by the time I'm maybe a junior doctor, maybe it's too hopeful, but by the time I'm a junior doctor, things will be a lot better and reporting issues like this will be a lot easier and things will actually get done. Well, this is the point, right? No one <laughs> could imagine any of this 10 years ago. We're all we're all making eye, eye contact here yeah, and the junior doctors yeah. being like, yes, we are the change. We're going to be the flag yeah. bearers. Maybe I mean, our guess- children will be the ones who don't experience it. Maybe we're going to be the last of the generation that experiences <gasps> All right, so Simon, we're going to delve into a bit more about becoming perfect doctors and hopefully with your advice we'll get the sort of the five steps to being super good colleagues, right? Right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that will be right after this. How much do you care about indemnity right now? Probably not a lot. You're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients. But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. 
All right, back to the show. So, Jadara, you've shared an example from your own life of like a what seems like a really good response to a situation where you've been the the one in the wrong, perhaps. No, hundred percent was in the wrong, and I apologize. And to be honest, I still feel bad about it, and I'm still really nice. That's so every time I see her now, I'm like, hey, <laughs> it's I mean, me, the asshole. I'm so sorry. Hopefully, I mean, maybe it could be like the beginning of a beautiful new friendship. Who knows? You I know? mean, what I would say is, if you introduce yourself, it's me, the asshole. You're already <laughs> setting yourself up <laughs> for a fall. I'm just more very like sheepish whenever I see her, and still apologetic. But yeah, I do hope that. I realise that it's it's impossible for me to say I'm never, ever, ever going to lose my temper or say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing in the future. I just hope that I always have the... just the sense and the decency to apologise if I do. Mm. How about you, Raihan? Have you ever seen... Have you seen any examples of good responses to bullying or undermining? I've not yet seen anyone do anything good or a good response, and I still wonder what a good response is. I don't know, I would have thought it would be a normal thing to call out someone if they're wrong. What I would say, particularly from the the situation where I was one who lost my temper and a situation where someone's lost their temper at me, is that I think, at least for me, a big thing that helps is is space for a little bit. So, again, with this situation, because it was on the phone and I, I kind of got annoyed and hung up the phone and then went back to another situation by the time I went to speak to her there had been maybe like 30-40 minutes in between Um, and I don't know if that's something that would help because I think unfortunately you know I can definitely say that if I'm annoyed with you know my boyfriend or someone and we're having a a heated discussion and he says calm down or don't raise your voice that's going to make me kick off even more (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's my point actually yeah I kind of see how I made it escalate there so there's like a few different things here it's like what do we do as in the moment the person who's being belittled Mm. what do you do if you see someone else being undermined Mm. or picked on and what do you do if you recognise those behaviours in yourself there's like three different ways where we can sort of figure out the practical things that us three can be doing mm-hmm. and I guess you can reflect for yourself as well Simon and develop and learn in this room um so I don't know what do we want to start with which one of those I think space is a big th- okay so space is a common theme in, in all of these so the previous uh, scenario which Simon mentioned about um the professor who sort of went in on the on the um on that doctor saying it's you know we can't have ugly or what, yeah, what was it, you it, know, it was, that, it was a comment on both her gender yeah. and aesthetic. So, so that, and and there was another a doctor or another person who was pulling that professor away, saying, "Come, we need to go." I, I basically, dragged them out of that that situation. If I had came along and I said, "You can't say these things," to to yeah. her, I think that might have maybe escalated it. Um, but the fact that you know the the person took them away and Chidera you said you know you need a bit of time away from that phone call and then you realize you're you're wrong you're wrongdoing and then you went and apologized yeah. i think space is a common sort of mm. i think sometimes you have to diffuse the situation before you actually sort of explore it and that's why space is often quite a good thing yeah mm. and there's this great model that i try to use a lot of and if i can't use it i often quietly often not quietly depending on the the situation <laughs> signpost people to which is which is the the Vanderbilt cup of coffee model so i don't know if you know about this never heard of it tell so, us so so it's its purposes it was published by by Vanderbilt university ergo the the Vanderbilt thing and it's like an escalation policy i'm trying to load it up on my phone because i'm i can remember the first step and it's always the other step so i forget but to all sense of purposes um most people are fine no dramas no harm no foul and then they do a thing right your boss has a go at you now, 
they suggest that the first step should be what they call an informal cup of coffee intervention. So if it was me, I would go, um, you know, it, it happens, I get shouted at, or I see someone else behave, and I go, um, actually, when you've got five minutes, I've got a couple of things I'd like to really touch base with you on. Can I buy you a Costa? Right? Other coffee brands are available. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, can I, can I buy you a coffee? Can we grab a chat? And then over coffee, not in my office, not in your office, not in a corridor, sat down, no laptops, no one taking minutes. I go, can I, one of the things, I, can I pick your brain about that thing that happened? And it kind of basically becomes a reflective practice exercise. And hopefully they go, oh, I see that now. And you unpick it and you've got to allow time for it. And again, sometimes that's not appropriate because sometimes you, there's such a power gap that you can't turn around and go, can I grab a coffee? But sometimes you can. Prof, um, I've had a really great time on this firm, actually, but I wonder if we could just touch base over a coffee and I could talk to you about a couple of bits and bobs. And it might be, it might be that you feel safe to, in that environment, go, there are a couple of times I felt like this or this happened so and I... That sounds brave. Mm. That <laughs> right. And it is brave. But if you can't do that, it is still quite a useful tool for someone else to do. Yeah. So if you if you were my medical student, mm -hmm. not my medical student, but you know what I mean, if you yeah. were on the team, you might come to me and go, I don't know if you saw what happened yesterday. If not, could I tell you? And I wonder if you could just feed that back to someone. And sometimes you can find someone who's a little bit closer or a bit more of an ally. And I probably could turn around to someone and go... Prof, I've just done the, the debrief with the medical students. I'm wondering if I could grab a coffee with you and just talk about the feedback we got from the firm and blah, blah, blah. So again, it's not on a feedback form. There's nothing in writing. It is just a, over a cup of coffee. And it has been shown that the majority of people, the majority of the time, change their behaviours based on that cup of coffee intervention. It is evidence-based. And so there are escalations. And then there's like, you know, you can involve the BMA and, and most hospitals have something called the freedom to speak up guardian. So, yes. so one of the things that's really useful is that ability to be anonymous. Mm -hmm. So lots of people go, well, if, you, if you're not brave enough to stick your head above the parapet. And it's like, no, because it's scary. And because you can mess up my firm or my job or my reference or my core training interview or my, I don't want to be a troublemaker. I don't want that bullseye on my chest. So there are kind of anonymous ways of protected raising of concerns. Yeah. And that can work for if it's happened to you or if you've seen it happen to someone else. Because there is there is a certain duty of like, you, you know, you, you need to speak up. So that's really interesting. You've picked up on a couple of themes that came up when I talked to uh, a GP called Anne Stevenson. I called her up because she's uh, a GP. She... Um, teaches undergraduate medical students uh, at King's College London and she also has a foot in with the GMC, goes to their meetings in her role as a teacher. She teaches professionalism. And so I wanted to talk to her to sort of get a sense of what we can do in the face of bullying. And and so some of the things that you highlighted there, you know, these, these the BMA and the roles of, uh, what did you call it? The freedom to speak guardian? Freedom to speak up guardians. Um, and so these people are there available when you're a newly qualified doctor and sound super and We don't know about them, right? No one knows they exist. No one knows about mm. them yet. But then but then something I've struggled with myself is I've, you know, at some point Googled, what do I do if I, you know, medical students bullying, what do I do? And all the resources that I find online are aimed at doctors and it can be really unclear and ambiguous as to yeah. what medical students can do. And Anne Stevenson really helped me shed some light on what students can do in this situation. So let's listen to that now. So for students, 
students who feel like they're, you know, that, that they're so intimidated or belittled at their placement to the extent that they feel like they don't want to go on on their placement at all. What can these students do? What kind of support's out there? I think every medical school slightly differs. It's always useful for students to talk to their peers. It's also useful for, for them to talk to their personal tutors or the um, someone on their firm or a health professional that they feel safe with to discuss it. And, and some medical schools have quite formal mechanisms for raising concerns where it goes to a kind of confidential group of seniors who can talk about it and maybe often, I mean, go out, talk to that person in that trust or that general practice and reflect back what's been happening. Yeah, that sounds like um, a good structure to have in place because I can imagine that as a med student it would feel super hard to raise that kind of concern about a doctor who's been around a lot longer than you have, you know, you're only there for a few weeks, it could be easy just to sweep under the carpet and think, you know what, I'll skip this placement, I don't need it that much anyway, and I'll just put more time into the next one. I guess that's why I try and encourage students that they have a responsibility, just as every health professional has a responsibility it's to report concerns because other students will come after them. Um, sometimes it's really good for students to, to report things in groups, so not just one student but a group of students report it. So this kind of strength in numbers. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not difficult. And it takes a lot of courage. So we're going to come back and, uh, well, Raihan muttered to me during that uh, little interview that he's got a lot to say on this. So we're going to hear all his thoughts. Before we dive right back into that, uh, let me just tell you how much we appreciate you listening to Sharp Scratch. We appreciate you so, so, so much. And um, <laughs> Raihan loves you too. And we want to we want you to know how much that we appreciate you listening. So we've teamed up with On Examination to give you a discount on all their exam question banks. So if you've not heard of it, On Examination is a question bank for medical exams. And we all know just how invaluable it is to have a question bank during revision season. Uh, and personally, I'm a big fan of the fact that On Examination has its own app, which is just really handy when mm. you're on the train or or on the bus or whatever. Um, and now On Examination is giving all of us a special Sharp Scratch discount of 15%. Whoa. So if you're going to go for, say, the situational judgment test uh, later this year, then you'll pay £12.75 instead of 15 quid for a four-month subscription. And the discounts are across all exams So uh, uh, for medical students and even if you're a junior doctor for the MRCP Part 1. Sorry about the... Uh, yeah, MRCS, what the hell? You know what, let's, let's have a little chat with On Examination. <laughs> <laughs> so head to the student section of onexamination.com, select your exam and enter SHARP SCRATCH, all caps, no spaces, at the checkout for a 15% discount. That's 15% off On Examination with a promo code of SHARP SCRATCH, all caps and no spaces. All right, back to the show. Raihan, what, what are you thinking about this so, Stevenson interview? Okay, so she said two things. And the first one was speak to someone senior when you're in a situation like this. And the second one was, it's better to speak up about this in groups, in numbers. Now, one of the situations where I had been told off by a cons uh, consultant. Do you get into trouble a lot, Ryan? No. <laughs> okay. Cheeky chat. No, no, as I was getting told off by this consultant, I was given a professionalism warning for that through the uni. And I felt it was wrong and I wanted to appeal it. So I went to speak to another senior member of staff who I asked for advice. And what he said was, Ryan, there's nothing you can do about this. Isn't that terrible? 
Yes, I that, mean that taut powerlessness. Yeah, you have no voice. That infantilization, and mm. it's just the worst. The worst thing, right? You just can't do anything about it. And then for that, for 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 months after that, I thought, right, I don't know if medicine is for me anymore. Like oh, wow. genuinely, I had reconsidered. Like, well, I was looking at alternative careers after medicine, and that was the decision. Like that was that sort of deciding moment and to be honest that i still do think of alternative careers after medicine because of that situation but um i'm i'm weighing up my options now so but that's i mean that just shows you how much of an impact this sort of thing can have like people act like oh maybe it's just a bit upsetting but if you're being so rude and awful to someone that they literally reconsider their career i think i mean that's shocking Mm. It is. And I mean, it sounds like someone who you trust, right? Because you went to them, like, you trust exactly. them enough. And it sounds like they're not saying what they said because they're not on your side, but because they've also internalised these ideas mm-hmm. about what will happen next and how the way things are. Mm-hmm. And that's probably something that they've picked up from someone who taught them and so on. But it just gets handed down like this. Exactly. I mean, I, I really don't know what to what we can, like, take away from that other than... Other it's than difficult. when we get to those situations, we have to be mm-hmm. like different advocates, don't we? we like exactly. when we're supervising med students, we have to be the change you want to see, isn't it? Exactly. 100%. So I think that is the takeaway thing that, yeah, there is a change or there will be a change in, in this culture and in, in the NHS and just generally in medicine. And um, but there's, it's still a long way and we'll probably be the generation could because we've experienced it and because we were aware of it we will react different, differently to, to, the, to, to the next generation. So, so as well as sort of like vaguely internally trying to be a better person, do you have any strategies or tips in place that we can also take away and implement if we feel the same way about so, ourselves? So uh, beyond all the usual stuff about like being a reflective practitioner, being emotionally aware and all that sort of stuff, I would, I would have some sense checkers, some people that you trust who can be honest with you. Because speaking truth to power is really difficult, and you will have power even within your friendship groups, right? Yeah. There'll be the people that people don't want to, right? It's just the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple of my nearest and dearest who will tell me when I'm being a dick, and they will not get, like, they, they'll protect my feelings to an extent, but they will be like, you know what? So I use social media a lot, and they will tell me, mate, that tweet just is madness it makes you look like an asshole or you shouldn't post that actually having some people that you trust Mm -hmm. who can hold you to account is really really powerful because otherwise you create your own hierarchy and you create your own echo chamber and it's still really easy and we still do it we still do it of course Mm. right even you said i wanted an outsider opinion so i asked my friends yeah Yeah. right any one of your friends isn't going to go mate you're a massive dick Mm -hmm. your youtube channel is like you know what yeah. on that one account like do you think any of your friends necessarily would have gone you should have been reported mate it's unprofessional <laughs> right it's but it's it's yeah. a it's a good yeah. friend who goes you know what you really should do on this occasion is actually apologize let's actually talk about things yeah. and and be aware that we might say things that might kind of hurt one another's feelings mm. and but not in a vindictive or power play way but actually because the goal is to be better and to feel yeah. better and to let off a bit of steam and and I think that's hugely powerful in 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 allowing you to know when you're doing right and doing wrong because you will always have people with opposite views. Yeah. So Simon sorted with his pals. Raihan, is there anyone that comes to mind for you when you're thinking about who could be your 
accountability I'm, med student Yeah, I'm buddy. not going to lie. My mum tells me all the time. <laughs> yes. Ryan, don't do this. Ryan, why have you said this? Like, she's if it me. works, it works. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. But I she, mean, there's no power there, right? It's only your mum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's really good. So we've talked a bit about what to do when you recognise yourself as that person. We've talked a bit about um, what to do as bystander. We've talked about what to do when you feel like you're um, a victim, uh, whether you're a newly qualified doctor or a med student. One thing that is common across all these things is that, you know, we're working together, we're working together as a team for the sake of patients, you know, Mm -hmm. we want patients to have the best care. And sometimes we might internalize a message or we might feel that for the good of the team for the good of the patient we have to let something slide and Mm -hmm. this is a good thing when it comes to for example Shadera you accepting that some of your colleagues will be short-tempered on a night shift Mm -hmm. like just kind of taking that on and sometimes it can be really harmful when you don't speak up about things that are really damaging the whole team so Simon, maybe you can help us out here. When do we compromise for the sake of the team and when do we decide to take a stand against poor behaviour? Again, it's one of those really difficult things because it's nuanced. Mm. So, you know, without getting into the evidence of it, we know that incivility affects patient care, right? And we know that incivility affects our own mental health and well-being, right? We know that there are increasing levels of burnout, of junior doctor suicide. We know that... These behaviours cost the NHS 2.3 billion quid a year. Oh my goodness. Right? We know that all of the trusts that end up in special measures all end up having their culture challenged. So it's not about... It's, it's nuanced because there's a time and a place, right? So if we're in the middle of a crash call and I'm doing chest compressions, I'm an author, Reg, but yes, I have done chest compressions, <laughs> right? That is not the time to tell me that I shouted at you when I told you to grab the bloody adrenaline or blah, 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 Right? There is a time and a place to have these conversations and there is a time and a place depending on the nature of the instant and the nature of the person. But to an extent, we kind of need to not let any of it slide. Interesting. In in a sense of we know that it affects patients and we know that it affects us. So it's the little things. Like you hit the nail on the head earlier. It's the little things. So should we let slide what? I, I can be a bit racist, but I absolutely know homophobia. Or... I can swear at you, but only after night because I'm tired. Mm. Like, where's your line? And we were talking about how, you know, we don't like absolutes because they don't really exist. And medics just want a poster that says, you must do this, you mustn't do that. These are the rules, stick to them. But people are people and people are irrational. And so people are going to do what they want to do. But I think actually we shouldn't let any of it slide. How you handle it, though, is the nuance. So you can't go in with a baseball bat on everything because it will make everything massively out of proportion. So it's just about recognising that it all matters. It all counts. That little comment, that little thing, it all adds up. The NHS is the fifth largest employer in the world, right? 1.7 million employees. Um, So if you then allow that what the NHS staff survey every year says that there's a 25% staff-on-staff bullying rate Mm -hmm. and they all agree, the NHS, the GMC and all the rest, that it's underreported... That's hundreds of thousands of people who are feeling like they are being bullied, undermined and harassed, all of whom on some level are impacting on patient care. Mm. So for ourselves and for our patients, I think I think we don't let anything slide, but it's not going to be easy. And you can't fight this battle all the time, all the time, because you also have to 
do your job and eat and sleep and take care of yourself. It's a bit like when you diet. Crash diets don't work. They're not maintainable. You can't just, I'm just going to eat nine calories a day and a lot of <laughs> celery water, right? The, the weight loss that works is, is those things that you can maintain mm-hmm. every day, all day, for the rest of your life. That's how people lose weight and stay healthy, right? It's the same thing with culture change. If you introduce something that's just not maintainable, well, it'll burn out. It just won't work. It needs to be something that you can do every day, all day, and not feel like it's a huge burden on your brain and your emotions and on everything else. And that's how we do it. So this kind of links back to the thing that Anne Stevenson was saying about, you know, responsibility, your own individual responsibility in terms of the people who come after you and so on. And maybe that can help us when it comes to thinking about, you know, should I let this slide for the sake of the team? Maybe we should reframe it. Should I let this slide no, because of all the people who are going to come after me and for the, mm. you know, the whole like culture change. But at the same time, I guess we have to toe that sort of line between that becoming like a, a massive mm-hmm. individual burden. And remember that we're not doing this as individuals and we have to do this somehow sustainably. So let's let's sum this up. Let's try and pack this up into some nice bite sized take home points. Like Chidera, what is there anything that you might do differently next time mm. that you realise you're perhaps being hard on someone else so I think I will always try to apologize um I think having that conversation and it was a very chill light-hearted conversation um really just made um the biggest difference and like Simon was saying like everything that we do does impact on patient care and I think that is what we should always have sort of at the heart of how we're feeling and how we're acting so I'm not going to say that we will never lose our tempers or no one will ever lose our tempers with us but I think if we always keep in mind that how we interact with each other is going to impact our patients Mm. I think that will lead you hopefully in the right direction and that will mean that when I if I snap at someone I'm going to go back and apologize because I don't want me being mean to someone to impact the way that they work or for someone being mean to me to impact the way that I work either yeah how about you Raihan I mean imagining that you decide to stay in medicine Mm -hmm. what kind of messages from today's episode are you going to carry with you into that i think what chidera did for me was sort of role modeling um oh yes yay so the first good (laughs) good response (laughs) um of course you it's expected that you're gonna after a night shift or even just after a long day you're gonna lose your temper um and snap maybe once or twice but it's what you do after that which makes a difference and you apologized you you know and that would have changed it probably changed the outcome of the day of that nurse that you 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 snapped at so that's one good response that i've taken away and it's the first one i've came across yeah thanks so much for sharing that today it's been really helpful to us today um and as for me i'm just i'm kind of glad that in our conversation we've unpacked some concrete steps that we can start to take whether Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. as medical students some ideas of how we can raise issues Mm -hmm. even if you know your example shows that it doesn't always work Mm -hmm. and secondly like it's increased my resolve to be a better role model myself Mm -hmm. and to take action where action needs to be taken not just for my own sake but for the sake of changing the wider culture Thank you so much, Simon, for coming on and helping us figure this stuff out a bit more. I think this is probably something we'll keep talking about and keep learning about. I don't feel like we've fixed the entire problem here and now today. 
but yeah but thanks so much for helping That's us have pleasure. this conversation so that's all from us on Sharp Scratch today. Uh, and if you'd like to hear more from us, then subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts. And in two weeks' time, you'll get our next episode straight to your phone. And in the meantime, do check us out on social media. We're Student BMJ on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, just let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag Sharp Scratch. Any ideas, any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. And it's also super helpful to us if you can leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, because it helps other med students find the show. And we really do appreciate hearing your thoughts. Next time, we'll be talking about the other half of the coin when it comes to working with people that you just can't stand. Except next time, we're not talking about doctors. We're going to be talking about patients. Until then, goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from me.